Hello, everyone. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. My conversation with Andrew Lipstein. Oh, what an interesting conversation that was. You might have heard it here on the show, but uh, there's a, the video's up, and he talks about how he got that first novel published at Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, and his years wallowing without success, and then his breakthrough. Anyway, great story, interesting conversation. Go check it out at authormagazine.org, and we're funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. Yes. Can learn more about the PNWA, their fabulous conferences, their contests, all over at PNWA.org. Oh, we got a good one today, people. We do indeed. Jacqueline Mitchell, Jacqueline's first novel. You might remember, The Deep End of the Ocean was published in 1996, becoming the first selection of the Oprah Winfrey Book Club and, of course, a number one New York Times bestseller. Now, nine other novels, four children's books, and six young adult novels followed, including Two If By Sea, No Time to Wave Goodbye, Still Summer, All We Know of Heaven, and The Breakdown Lane. Mitchard's writing has won or been nominated for the Shirley Jackson Award, the Orange, Orange Broadband Prize for Fiction, UK's Talk About Prize, and the Bram Stoker Award. A former daily newspaper reporter, Mitchard is a professor in the Master of Fine Arts program at Miami University of Ohio. She frequently writes for such publications as Glamour, Oh, the Oprah Winfrey Magazine, Marie Claire, and Reader's Digest. Her essays and short stories have been widely anthologized, and she's got a new book out, a new book out called The Good Son, and it's a good one. She's here to talk to us today. Jacqueline, how you doing? I'm just fine. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you. Congrats on, we were joking before you we started the show. 601. It's not quite that many, but it's been a bunch and uh, still going strong. Uh, I think, I thought it's a great book. I, I, I You're happy with it? I'm, with it? I'm delighted with it. It was oh. sort of a risk for me yeah. because I am known as, uh, one of the people who writes about uh, domestic uh, yes. domestic difficulties. And yes. there are plenty of those in here. Yes, there are. A of a thriller in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Oh, it's good. You di- well, it's good. You're branching out. But let's, let's back up a little bit. You, um, so you, 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 did your writing career, I mean, just using words professionally, begin as a reporter? Is that the first job you had essentially yeah it is it's the first job i worked uh for city news in chicago like everybody else and <laughs> i and and wrote uh i was a newspaper reporter for 25 years before oh. and i had ne- i never did any what you would call creative writing there was not a novel really no not since the freshman elective at the university of illinois when I had to write short, you know, little short stories, pretentious little short stories. Yeah. And, um, yeah. <clears throat> and I never did anything else in that regard um, th- that 
that would have led to a novel. And then in my late 30s, I there was a tragedy in my life. And uh-huh. I was widowed uh, very yeah. young. And yeah. I had three little boys uh, yeah. who were nine, six, and three at the time. Wow. And I decided that I wanted to try to do something impossible to prove, I said to prove to them, but really I meant to prove to myself that there was still going to be some kind of life hereafter, right. uh, life on earth. That right, is. right. Wow. That was what inspired it. Right. I think and maybe I've heard that story. I, I think, because I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, Jacqueline, I was sitting there on my couch, a little envious, watching you talk to Oprah about the deep end of the ocean when that uh, came. And I, and I think maybe you were telling that story. Did you tell that story with, to Oprah? I don't remember. I'm sure I really? did. Really? I'm sure I did. I, in fact, that almost didn't happen either. Really? What do you mean well, it didn't happen? I, the Oprah thing or, or the book getting Oprah published? Oprah thing because uh, she left messages on my answering machine. <laughs> and I erased every one of them thinking it thinking was one of my prank. friends horsing around oh with me. I thought it was one of my girlfriends, you know, goofing around. No And way. by the final time she left a message, she was mad. And she said, <laughs> you know, this, this really is Oprah Winfrey. And right. I don't know if you even live here, but if you... <laughs> Please do me the courtesy of returning my phone call. Hey, Jacqueline, that's a pretty good Oprah you just did right there. That was not bad. That was a <laughs> that was that was pretty good Oprah voice, I gotta say. So at that point you said, I believe you. You thought I better at least at get a call. At that point I called her back and I was laughing. But she was not <laughs> laughing as much, I must say. No, oh god. Well she wasn't used to having people not return her calls, I would imagine. No, and and of course she wasn't. And she said to me, start the world's largest book club with your book. Because this was uh-huh. at the beginning, the sort yeah. of dawn of the book yeah. club movement. Yeah. And my publisher, when I told the publisher that, the publisher said, well, um, oh, that's all well and good. But, <laughs> <laughs> but people who watch daytime TV are not readers. Didn't you know that? Oh, God. Oh, God. I said, oh, okay. And and I went on the show, and by the night she announced the book club on the show, by that night, there were 4,000 holds on the book at the New York Public Library. Yeah. See, you know why I love that story? I love that story. I love that story, Jacqueline. Not that I I love publishers. I love my publisher. I love my agent. But I do love it when people who supposedly know don't know. I just, it's just, it's just heartening to me, and I don't quite know why. So, well, listen, they were very happy to have not known. I'll bet they were. I'll bet they were. Yeah. I talked to a couple literary writers who were very upset about what Oprah was doing for literary writers, and I thought, are you out of your minds? Oh, my God, she is getting people read who would never be read on the way that they are being read because of the, what she did in the 90s and 2000s. She was like a huge help. I don't understand help. that point of view at all. I don't either. Like what? Do you, have you not to have want people to read your book? To read certain yeah. books or yeah. something? I know. It's I bizarre. don't know. I don't. It's pretty. It's it was pretty stupid. But all right. So all right. So you're a journalist, and I assume you like being a journalist. 
I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I loved it, but I was I was a single mom by then. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, reporters need to be able to drop everything and and yeah. you know go after the fire yeah. truck essentially. Yeah. And time for me to do so. I had just started working at the University of Wisconsin in Madison at the news service. Uh, and okay. I, I wanted to do something that was a little bit more tame in order right. to be able to be there for my kids. Yeah. God, Jacqueline, man. You know, I raised a couple kids and I remember what those early years are like and how just intense it kind of is emotionally and just time-wise. Wow, what a time to have to go through. But you're such a you're such a ah, you you just you you've got such good energy that that you weren't going to let that cuz you know that would give you plenty of excuses to give up to to just to say that's it. Life is life stinks, and I'm not well, going to do really anything with that. Well, I really considered it. I really Did thought I, right. I could go in the closet and chew on my raincoat and yeah. and try to uh, and be bitter, but it uh, it would not have been that would have been the worst kind of behavior for a good mom, if you will. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and it turned out to be it turned out to be a gamble that paid off in a sense and uh and I got the privilege of writing stories for a living which is a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah. And um and I will say to you that I now have many more children than those three children. I and know. Holy it is a legend. Yes. It is a legend. Oh and my God. And, um, yeah, I got married again several years after I was widowed, and then it was just, my husband says it was a date that got out of hand. <laughs> and, um, and, and not one of my children, well, that's not true. I'm going to take that back. One of my nine children has read a book I wrote. <laughs> well, this, I think, yeah, I think this is, I mean, I haven't written as many as you, but my kids aren't good. They haven't read my books and I doubt they are. Maybe when I die, they will in some kind of, <laughs> but I'll be sorry then, won't they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I write about them. I've even, I've even offered to pay them. I got you up did. to $125. I said to them, I will give you American money, $125. If you read one of my books. Thanks. No, Mom. no that's takers. A- no wow. takers. Wow. Yeah. See, I have sometimes I'll teach memoir, and and the people say I'm writing my book for my kids. I'm like, your kids aren't going to read this book. Yeah. Your kids already know yeah. you. They don't. They're not going to get to know you through your books. It's just not going to happen. Nope. And you can put anything in it that people always say. I can't write this until my aunt Harriet yeah. is dead right. because right. she'll read it. Like, yeah. No. Your own mother won't read it. So That's just right. write anything you want as long as it's true. That's right. So, all right. So you're writing. You don't. You didn't write fiction. You didn't have it. It wasn't something burning in your heart, which is usually the way it goes with fiction writers. But you were writing. You obviously liked stories, but it's very different. And so when you started writing fiction, what was the hard part for you? What was the part that you that totally took you by surprise that you had to that you didn't that all your all your your journalism didn't prepare you for at all. It was slowing down. It was slowing down to uh, be more observant and more yeah. uh, uh, process oriented. I was used to writing stories for a deadline and doing it as yeah. briefly and concisely as possible. Now I had this 
you know, 300 pages or more in order to be discursive and to observe things. And I had to learn how to go deep instead of just go fast and go forward. Now, that's interesting because I was I was teaching a class and I was had this woman who's telling these good sort of personal narratives. I was like, you know, these there's a lot happening here, but you got to go deep. You got to go deep. And she said, how do you do that? (laughs) It was the first time someone had asked me that. And I had to think I came came up with my answer. What when you have to think about going deep, how do you do that? How did you learn how to do that? Are you asking me? I was going to ask you. Oh, well, for me, it was actually my wife answered it because she said, oh, that's easy. And this is for pers- memoir, personal essay. Understand your role in the, in the experience, and that's where the depth is. But it's a little different ah, in fiction. Oh, your yeah, wife that, must be very smart. That's a very wise is. answer. Yeah, she's very smart. And it's true, and it really is true. That is where the depth is. Um, but what about for, for you and for fiction? How did you what, – uh, what, when you think about going deep, what does that mean for you in the fiction? Well, because you inhabit your characters, yeah. the the thing, it, you know, psychologists say when you react in a certain way to something, whatever it is, you know, yeah. you, whether you get angry, whether you cry, the the thing that you need to do is figure out what you're really feeling and yeah. why. Yeah, that's right. And that's what, to me, what going deep means. It doesn't mean like slobbering feelings all over the page no but trying to figure out what that character is really in it for in that particular scene or that particular chapter and most people don't have most people and therefore most characters don't have any idea what they're really feeling right right you know what i was thinking of as you were saying this is i heard a quote from dennis lehane who said I'm not going to get the exact totally wording. fabulous. I love Dennis Lane. I, I do, too. I, got, I interviewed him right when I was starting this magazine years ago, and it was a great conversation. He's an interesting guy. And he said, I can't get the quote right, but basically figure out what, your protag- what the thing that is holding your protagonist back that he or she doesn't know about, and that's the spine of your story. The thing that is driving them that they can't name. The thing they're grieving over that they won't admit. The oh, thing they don't. So- Right. And then that's the spine of your story. I think that's true. I think for fiction. I, I do. My great friend, Karen Slaughter, who, you know, is the, you know, talk about uh, winning the the fiction lottery. She, the yeah. great. Mystician, okay. She yep. says everyone in a book has to have a secret. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yes. Yes. And I think that's true. The one that you don't know, the one the character doesn't know about. Yeah, yeah, ideally, right? Well, not true. I say true. If they're, if they're keeping a secret, that can drive, they'll start doing all shenanigans just to keep the secret. Uh, you right. Know. Oh, that's so good. I like that. Yeah. That's really true. Well, it's sort of like what uh, I remember, <laughs> we're, since we're quoting writers, but uh, Kurt Vonnegut said, every character in a scene has to want something, even if it's a glass of water. If you don't know what they want, you can't write them. And, well, yes, who would quibble with him? But right. absolutely, that's absolutely the case. I'm sure yeah. that's absolutely the case. Yeah. So let me ask you, so, you, so you're a journalist. You've got a nice career going. You have this tragedy. You pick yourself up. You write this book. You just write the book. You probably were thrilled to get it published. I don't know. Were you, did you ever have any doubts you would get it published? Or did that, was that a hard thing to accomplish? I didn't, I, by the end of it, I knew it would get published. 
Okay. But I didn't know that it would become a bestseller, and I certainly didn't know that Stedman Graham would go into the uh, grocery store for uh, to get a soda in in Indiana and buy it for Oprah Winfrey. That's I how that's know. how it got to her. Yes. Oh and, my God. Um, and I I didn't know that that I didn't know whether I would ever write another book or whether I would be that right. person at the end right. of the bar in the Dennis Lehane book saying <laughs> I wrote a novel once. Right. Um, <laughs> but but in any case. It uh, that's that that part of it was terrific, and was it? Uh, there was nothing attached to it that wasn't wonderful. Oh, I love to hear that. You well, you know what? It sounds like you were in a really um, you didn't have any not to do to sound like a pop spiritualist, but you had no attachment. It sounds like you were like going to let what happened happen, kind of. And I think that sometimes it's easier to have a good time when that's the case. Do you know what I mean? Like you didn't have all the expectation around it. At that point, it was only, could only go up, really. Right. It was all gravy for you at that point. Yes, it was all gravy. And when I think of someone that, you know, you might call if you were making up a name like Jonathan Franson. Right. Um, that, that who, refu- who doesn't really think that his book should be in the hands of right. uh, suburban housewives or something right. like that because they won't yeah. get it. I I wonder, you know, fiction. Uh, I was just writing an essay today about my favorite book, which is a, was an old book when I was well, when I was a young girl. It was an old book called A Tree Grows oh. in Brooklyn. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. People were reading that book in the trenches in World War II. You know, wow. GIs were reading that book about a young girl growing up in Brooklyn in the tenements, and yeah. I mean, books are meant to be gossiped about. That's what they're meant for. Oh, that's nice. I like it. You've got a good attitude. And I really think if you've written a story and if it's if you meant to reach people, then you should want to reach everybody. I, I just wrote actually I wrote an essay about that. I said when you when you share something, you should begin with the idea that you're sharing with everybody on earth. You know that won't happen, but let that be the starting place and then go from there. I just think you've got to have the biggest, widest heart about what you're sharing. And then let you the people who are meant to find it. And, you know, Joni Mitchell, um, yeah. Yeah. quote, a poet, said one yep. time, uh, art is not art if only 14 other people know about it. <laughs> so if you're writing for yourself, don't do that anymore. Right. I agree. I agree. All right. So the good son, oh, Jacqueline. So we've talked about how you've gone a different direction, which is you allow, you've written a book that has a thriller component to it, which daring for someone who didn't normally do that, but you also dealt with a very difficult subject, I would think, which is, I don't know how much you want to talk about, but you've got a, a mother whose son killed somebody else, killed the daughter of her friend. That must've been such a, was that where it started for you or did it start somewhere else? That story was told to me in the coffee line while I was waiting for to speak at a writer's conference. The woman in front of me dropped her book on the ground accidentally. I picked it up and handed it to her, and it was a Anita DeMont book. And I thought, oh, she must be here for the writer's conference. And I said, are are you here? Nope. She said, I'm here to visit my son. I come every weekend. He's in prison. He'll be in prison for a long time. He killed the only girl he ever loved. They were (sighs) sweethearts. They were in the seventh grade. 
and I could not turn away from her. I wow. sat with her long as she took i I don't think she'd ever really told the story in this way to anyone before, wow. and I her until I was running up the aisle of the auditorium and they were introducing me um, because I completely forgot that I was giving this address. And she, she talked about how um, there's a scene in the novel, actually, in The Good Son that sort of recapitulates this. In, uh, she went to the, the woman went to the cemetery to put roses on the girl's grave and the girl's mother showed up. Right. And they had been neighbors, and she was terrified, as she yeah. would be. And they ended up in each other's arms crying. And yeah. the woman said to her, you're the lucky one because at least you can still touch him. Right, right. And that absolutely right. broke my heart. And when I told yeah. my agent that I wanted to write a book about this subject, uh, and by the way, if you read The Good Son, don't expect it to be an entirely vicious downer because there are so many twists and turns in this story. Yeah. You don't no. really know what happened that night no. until the last five pages. And right. I guarantee you, you will not expect what actually <laughs> to have happened. True. Anyway, um, right. so, so she, she, um, the, the, the sort of majesty of her grief was so compelling to me. And I told my agent I wanted to write a book about this. And he said, in one word, I have one word about that, Jackie. No. <laughs> I said, what? And he said, no one is going to read a book in which you cannot make those characters sympathetic. But they were already sympathetic to me. Right. He didn't know. Another really good professional who didn't know, didn't really Yeah, top-notch one. He's, and now he says that the reason that they are uh, authentic and the reason readers care about them is because I care so much about them, and that's probably yeah. That's true. It's a good lesson for him. He just never know. You can make anybody sympathetic. I mean, think about if, if Vladimir Nabokov had pitched Lolita <laughs> to his agent. Here's who the narrator is going to be. Huh? Yeah. How would that have gone? <laughs> well, I saw a TED Talk. Once, a rec- right before, right when I was starting this book, given by Sue Klebold, you know, who was Dylan Klebold's mother, you know, okay. uh, one of the combined shooters. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Okay. I could feel the audience react to her. I could feel yeah. them draw back yeah. when she said, I still love my son. Sure. Sure. And of course. Of course. Because love, especially a parent's love, defies reason. It defies logic. And, I mean, all love does, I guess, in a sense. But the, the steadfastness of the, the love of a parent for a child is there's, there's nothing else like it. There isn't. Well, you hold them in your arms. I wrote, I've written about, because I wrote about, I raised a kid on the spectrum, so I wrote about raising kids who were doing things differently a fair amount. And... You know, the you hold a kid, a baby in your arms, and the only, for me, the only natural description of that child is perfect, you know, that infant. And it's like, at what point aren't they? What point does that change? And I don't think it ever does. But they I don't develop, either. 
you know, and they do all kinds of things and say all kinds of things. And yet you held them at that moment. How that does not go away. And you, you've been there. I just don't. And I could totally see it. Still loving the child. And uh, Andrew that. Solomon, who he wrote uh, Far From the Tree about mm-hmm. parents and children and the perceptions of parents yep. for children who are different, who yep. have committed crimes or who yep. have physical or emotional problems, health yep. challenges. And he said that no matter what happens, parents do not regret their children. No. No. Well, not if they're honest. Not if they're honest. Right. I just, right. I just think it is and such a great view into what it is to be human, raising a kid. It just, it's a unique view that you only get. It's pretty hard to get anywhere else, I think. I don't think you can get it anywhere else, frankly. I mean, I, I don't believe that you're ever, and boy, you know, you'll get some chats about this puppy. I, I know. I, know. I don't think that you're ever fully adult until you take, you know, you may have a cat or a dog or you may have a younger sibling, but until you're a parent, I don't think you ever realize yourself as an adult. Oh, that's interesting. Wow, that's, that's a bold one. I know, I know. <laughs> that's, and that's people a... get really mad at me when sure. I say that. Sure, and it, sure. And that isn't to say that everyone should have a child. Heavens no. no. Everyone no. should not have a child. Some yeah. people aren't suited for it in temperament to have yeah. a child. But yeah. I think that it forces you into a position of being absolutely selfless. I know. Yes, to. indeed. That's right. That's right. And you realize it's just because it, it, it's not about you. I mean, you get to learn a ton. I think you learn more than they do maybe from raising well, sure. them, but you know, but it's not about you in that way. And it's, it's, um, I think it teaches you, I think it's, it teaches you about service, about being in service to life. And, um, I agree. I, you know, raising kids has been, cha- I had two very challenging kids, but I learned a ton from it. You, um, you are forced into the position of feeling empathy even when you don't want to. And That's one of right. the things that Thea, in my book, the main character, she at first has terribly mixed emotions about yeah. her son, Stefan. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't know what – she resents him for – she had a terrific life, yeah. and now her colleagues resent her, her neighbors turn away from her, even her right. own sister aren't sure whether to trust her and she didn't right. do anything right and i mean so far as she knew she was a good mother and her yep. husband was a good father and yep. this happened and uh she feels she has and she also feels sometimes fearful of her son or wonders if she should right. feel yep. of her own child and yep. so there are all those emotions that are mixed up in it and it was, I mean, I've never, I have, I have five sons of my own and yep. none of them has ever, as I said, really been in any kind of trouble, but that right. is not because I'm so great at this. Right. right. So this is right. between, I may be a mother, have been a mother more often than other right. people, but not necessarily better. Yeah. And it, it's, it comes down sometimes to the, it's the. The business of a moment, the luck of the yeah. draw. Yeah, yeah, 
Well, you did such a good job writing. I mean, it's, it, I, I love a, a thriller with such a nice, such richness to it. Um, very satisfying experience. So I just congratulations on it. It's a really, it's a beautiful book. And, oh my. Um, and uh, you should be proud. Was, when it, is the publication, is this today the publication? Am I, did I get that? No, right? it was a week ago. It was okay. published oh, well, on, right. uh, yeah. Are, are um, you doing anything? Are you going to be, I mean, I don't know what COVID, what's being done these We don't do anything days. anymore in this world. I mean, we, <laughs> I, I went to one, I went to one uh, in-person event. It was lovely. It was here in my, in one of my little, uh, at a little coffee house. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. They could only let 50 people in and they <sighs> right. all had a, it, it looked like, it looked like, I don't know what it looked like. It looked like some kind of ward in a hospital because everybody had a mask on, yeah, you know, yeah. including the speaker. And yeah. it is just, uh, we, you know, this whole thing, we don't know which way to jump right now. No, and it's certainly a strange period for authors who are used yeah. to reaching out and hugging people and signing yes. books, all those yeah. kinds of things that's not happening. Nope. I know. I miss the classroom. I love to teach, and I teach on Zoom, and, and it's good. I mean, it's, I am reaching people all over the world, which I who I wouldn't be able to teach if they had to show up. But God, I miss being in a classroom with people, and yeah, you know, yeah. reading the energy and all that. It's or I miss giving a talk yeah. to a big crowd. Like you know, for us, no, for us now well. that's right. <laughs> well, it'll look at Jacqueline. I just, I just, I believe it will come back. I do not believe this is forever. I don't think we're in the end times, so I'm just. But we're going to have to. I don't think we just, are either. I really no, don't think we're in the end no, times yet. Think so. No, not yet. But hopefully not. All right, listen. You are a wise woman. You are very interesting. This has been a lot of fun. If people want to find out about you, it's just it's just JacquelineMitchard.com. Am I? Is that what it is? That's oddly enough, yes, that's what it that, is. That is okay. So go check it out, people. This she's great. The book's great. I highly recommend it. Uh, but Jacqueline, I'm not quite through with you yet. Uh, what I'd okay. like you to do is finish this sentence for my last question. If writing, all the writing, all the way back to your journalism even, if all this writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? Finish what you start. Ooh. I have so many students and so many people who are really good at this who yeah. have six novels that they've written 100 pages of. Yeah. Get hung up on completion because yeah. you're never going to figure out what a story really is about unless you push through the hard times with the story. And I guess everything that I've ever learned has taught me that if you if you do push through that hard time, if you do push through the parts that, you know, everyone can start a book and you come out like a house on fire, right? Right, right. And then... If you, but if you don't push through that middle uh, to the triumphant conclusion, you'll never know what, what the story's made of, and you'll never know what you're really made of as a writer. I agree. I agree 100%. I've said that to people so many times. You've got to reach something called the end. They have any sense of what it is you've done. You just yep. can't. You just you got to do it. Oh, Jacqueline, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank this you was for a having lot me. of fun. It's been fun. All right. Thanks a lot, Jacqueline. Take care. All right, people. Yes, finish it. Finish it. Finish it. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And then you know what you have. Oh, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I will be, 
already recorded my conversation for next week with a lovely woman. That'll be a lot of fun. Thank my producer, RJ Jeffries. And to all of you out there, go find something you love to do. Do it and finish it. He's right. Oh.